Welcome back to another episode of Interview You. This is your host, Louis Shine. And hey, I have another very special guest on the show today. She's not a stranger to the game of basketball. It's been very good to her and still doing some great things in the game to this day. So I'm not going to give it all away, but we're going to go ahead and get into this thing. Let's welcome to the show, TK LaFleur. How's it going? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Everything is great. Um, it's just, you know, another opportunity to talk basketball. So I really appreciate this opportunity and you having me on the on the podcast. Yeah, no doubt. And, and we connected uh, some time ago, a few months or whatnot. And, you know, you were on some of the things I did and, and you were able to, you know, share some of your expertise and different things like that. So I appreciate it. And, and people were blessed by it. And so really wanted to get you on because, you know, just to hear about your story and how the game has, you know, just grown over time in your life. But before we get into some of those things, let's take it all the way back and talk to us about when the game first was introduced to your life. Wow. That was some time ago. Um, <laughs> I was around six or seven. I don't actually remember exactly what happened when it was introduced, but I remember as soon as I started playing, I didn't want to stop. Like I was, I convinced my parents like, Hey, I need a basketball goal for the driveway. And it took some time, but finally got it. Um, I remember my dad was, when I was playing in the Y, um, I was the tallest person on my team. So I played the five position. And then as life went on, I ended up playing, you know, the two position or shooting guard. So, um, I took to it right away. My parent, my dad and my mom were the coach for my first teams. And then as I just got um, better and better, they found really competitive teams for me to play on. And, you know, that's just what it was. We became a basketball family. And, you know, that's that's really how it started. That's good stuff. I mean, started at a very young age. And, you know, where in your life, did did the game of basketball like where in your life did you feel like I think I can do something with this game like you kind of felt like you were you know develop some talent and kind of seeing like some things kind of start to happen when did that happen for you right right um I knew I was really good um I peaked real I'm not gonna say I peaked really early but I was better than most of the competition if not all of the competition almost right away because I was really athletic and so um I started working with coaches um and playing for coaches that believed in me and the way my dad was training me and things like that really just continued to propel me so I think maybe um high school I was the only I was the only freshman on varsity my um when I went to high school and my coach believed in me so much. And that was really empowering for me because it was somebody outside of the family who believed in me at that level. And I had other coaches that I had played for who believed in me and they were great, right? But going into high school as a freshman and in, in, on varsity, it was a different level of belief in my abilities to where she felt like I should be playing with juniors and seniors right off the bat. And I played pretty good minutes. Like I didn't start and I was fine with that, but I played pretty good minutes. So it was just like, man, if I can hang with these guys and they're about to go to college and play, I must be pretty good. So right. it just continued to 
you know, make me want to continue to work and stay at, and stay at that level and beyond because I knew I didn't want to go backwards. So it was, it was a bunch, it was a series of coaches, a series of decisions that were made that got me to that space. And I, I, I mean, if they believed in me that much, there was no reason why I shouldn't believe in me that much. Gotcha. And so, you know, going through that time and space, and of course you got the recruiting, you know, starting to happen. What what kind of went into your decisions with that? How was that process? Uh, talk about that a little bit. Um, recruiting was hectic. Very, very hectic because um, – I was one of the top players in the nation in my position. So just about every college was sending me letters, information, um, anything that you could think of that was, you know, within NCAA rules was being sent to me. And it became very overwhelming. Um, But there were a couple of things that my family and I had talked about. And growing up in Texas, um, the Big 12 was a prime conference for us. I mean, we at the time, A&M was in the Big 12, UT, um, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and they were all right in that window of where I lived. So we saw a lot of their games. So the Big 12 big, um, a very prominent conference that I knew I wanted to play in. And the opportunity presented itself to where when I narrowed it down, um, one of the schools I narrowed it down to was in the Big 12. Um, that was the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. They're in the Big 10 now. But at the time, they were in the Big 12. And so it was like I went to campus. The football, You know, you go during football season when you go on your official visits. So that was great. The team was great. So I was like, you know, this is, this is where I want to continue to play. And so out of high school, I signed with a, a team in the Big 12. And my dream of playing college ball won had just been fulfilled and I was playing in one of the best conference, a power five conference, and it was one of the best conferences. So I was ecstatic about being able to play in the big 12. So there were some other factors, um, you know, education, how did I get along with the coaching staff? Um, did I bond well with the players that were going to be there? Things like that. There were a lot of other factors that went into it, but I remember I was just talking to my dad and was just saying, you know, how cool it would be to be able to play in the Big 12. Um, so that was that was a really, really cool experience. Man. And, and you know, just coming off of that, um, <clears throat> you know, high school and, and going to a school like that, fulfilling your dreams. And so, you know, that's amazing all by itself. And when you mentioned that you were one of the top players in the nation in your in your position. I mean, that, that's awesome by itself because, you know, only few people that can say that in that category. So it, right. had, to, it had to speak to your grind and your work as a player. At that time in your life, getting recruited, going to Nebraska, even before that, what was your grind like as a player? Because you can't just be the top player, one of the top players in the country at your, at your uh, position and you just wake up like that, like, Talk to us about your mindset as a player and what your grind was like. Right. Yeah, there was no Beyonce. I woke up like this. That did not exist, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> so it was it was a really interesting thing. Like, my dad pushed me from early on. We used to um, – even when I was just playing in the Y, 
he'd record the games and we'd watch film. And I'm like 10 years old and we're watching film. And he's like, everything you do good, I'll give you a quarter. And any mistakes that you have or any learning opportunities that present themselves, you give me, or if I had like a turnover or something, you give me a quarter. And in my head, I'm like, well, I'm going to always win because I don't have any quarters to give anyway. So I'm not losing. <laughs> well, that was not true. Right. So, but we went, we would go back and forth on good plays, bad plays, decisions. Film allowed me to see things that I wasn't able to see while I was actually in the game. And so from there, it, it showed me how to watch film. And the grind part of it was there were times where I didn't want to work out. And there were times where I, I'm not going to like act like I just was this perfect athlete who worked out every single day all the time. There were days where I literally gave in and said, I'm not going to work out. I'm already good. I'm not going to work out because I'm already here. And that mindset is not the appropriate mindset, no matter if you're the best player the middle, the bottom, you don't play, it doesn't matter. That is not the mindset of a victor, a victor mentality of trying to get to the highest levels that you can get to for yourself because every day you're competing with yourself. So I let days go by, but on those days that I did, it wasn't a lot, but on those days where I was grinding, like I would put in two a days, I'd put in three a days. Um, I would, I, one thing I wish I could go back and do is make those workouts more intentional. There were moments where I was super focused and then there'd be moments within where I, um, I lost focus and was kind of going through the motions and I had to pull myself back in. And that's the, you know, the, the mental toughness part of it, recognizing and being aware of when you're not as focused or as intentional as you need to be and then pulling yourself back in so you can get the most out of that workout. So, I mean, my dad would put together workouts. Um, there was no YouTube. There was no TikTok. There was no behind the scenes of what these professional athletes were doing. So it was pretty much whatever you were doing in practice, you pretty much had to come home and do it then. And yeah. so, you know, like the times were just very different. So in the driveway a lot, in the parking lot a lot, um, I didn't really get into a gym very often as far as being able to just have my coach open the gym. That really wasn't a thing when I was when I was coming up. So a lot of it was outside cone drill, um, dribbling off the wall, um, doing your shooting, laying on your back, doing your shooting form, um, finding creative ways to um, get better the advancements in technology and equipment that exists today. And so the grind was hard. It definitely, it paid off, but it was hard. And, but I wouldn't expect it to be anything else, right? Because everything that you want is on the other side of hard work. So if you don't put the work in, then don't expect those results. So it was worth it. Um, I learned a lot about myself. I learned what did and didn't work for me um, mentally I needed to toughen up at high school age, but as I got into college and even after I transferred from Nebraska to TCU, my mental, um, my mental toughness, it increased tenfold. And um, it, it just, it just, it wasn't easy. So I don't want, I don't want it to come out here like, Oh yeah, I grind 24, seven, three, six, five. Like, no, it wasn't that there were days where I didn't want to get up and I still went. And there were days where I didn't want to get up and I didn't go, but 
you have to, as an athlete, listen to your body. You have to understand if you're intentional with your workouts, you don't have to work out two and three and four hours at a time to get an impactful workout in. So those were the differences from high school workouts to college workouts. I figured out how to work out just as hard, but in half the time, not in a bad way, but I just was more efficient with my time. Gotcha. That makes sense. And, uh, you know, I think that's, that's more on the mental side of the game, you know, where you can, if, if you, if you think different, then you can experience different results. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know we'll talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk about your book here a little bit. So, um, so finishing your your college career um, after you transferred um, TCU, you know, you had a couple of great seasons there, some great stats, some different great, you know, great accolades, you know, what's one of the biggest ways that you saw that that transition pay off for you in terms of just changing things mentally? Of course, you had that year where you sat out, you know, that probably gave you a lot of time to just think, change some things or whatnot. You know, how did you go into those last two years? And, and you know, you had results. So what was one of the main things that you saw from that mental transition that helped you out? The biggest thing was that sit out year, to be honest. Um, I knew I wanted to be a good three-point shooter, so I focused a lot on shooting threes when I worked out. And I was very intentional with where I shot the threes, um, worked on having a quicker release, worked on being more balanced, worked on um, having more arc in my shot because I used to shoot a very flat shot at times. It was very inconsistent in that. So, like, there were little things that I was able to focus on in those workouts And the difference between how I trained in high school and how I trained in college was that intention. So in high school, I used to work out two or three hours straight. In college, I started working out. I would have a minimum of two shooting workouts a day, but I'd only allow myself to shoot for 45 minutes in each session. And then I still had practice or weights or whatever else. And I, and I don't really know where I, I don't want to say I picked it up from someone. I think what happened was the way the college schedule works is um, you you have these small breaks in between classes, and I knew I didn't have enough time to go home, and I knew I didn't have enough time. Um, I didn't have enough time to – or I had enough time to just kind of lounge around. So I decided to use that hour in between classes to – um to get a workout in and that's really when the trajectory of my my career in college changed because I was utilizing the time and being more efficient and everything changed my mindset changed because I knew I had to go in super focused um And that propelled me to have, you know, one of the best games of my career coming out of a sit-out year. It propelled me to be a leader on the team. It propelled me to be in the top 30 in three-point shooting percentage my junior year. It propelled us to a lot of great team accolades and, and, and accomplishments, making NCAAs, all of these things, because I had put in the work, and I had put in the work very intentionally. And that's a mental thing. 
it's physical, but intention is mental. That's really good. Can you say that again? Say that last <laughs> part again. That was good. <laughs> intention is mental. Like you, you're putting in the physical work of going to the gym, getting the shots up, doing the ball handling, working on your rebound, your free throws. But the intention side of how you work out is all mental. Mm. Man, that, that take you a long way right there. Uh, because, I, you know, growing up, playing the game, you know, sometimes, I mean, I, I know it was me until I got a hold of the mental side. Sometimes you go in the gym and it's just not intentional. It's I'm going to the gym, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. it's, it's, but when you get a hold of that and you can be intentional, I think that's where greatness comes up out of that because now you're, you're shooting at a specific target. And if you do what you need to do with intention, you're going to hit that target. And right. I think that accuracy is going to continue to uh, build because the more you do it intentionally, the more success you're going to have. So now that's good. I'm glad you mentioned that like that. And, you know, with, you know, your success, TCU, now, you know, I know that, that you always you wanted to be a pro. Um, and so how did that catapult you into the pro ranks? Um, well, that's actually an interesting story. That's one of the first times that I was told no in basketball mm. is at the pro level. And that's a lot of basketball being played before you hear your first no, right? So that mentally took a toll on me, and I didn't know how to handle it. Uh, like I said, I played varsity all four years of high school, um, got a scholarship to, D to two D1 schools. Um, I mean, multiple offers, but I chose, you know, two schools with Nebraska and TCU. And to be told no was kind of like, well, wait a minute. What am I supposed to do with that? What what do I do now? If I'm being told, no, I can't play basketball. And it, it mentally took a toll on me. Um, and I had, I had a bit of a mental breakdown and I got really angry and I was very upset and hurt because I knew I had put in the work, but I wasn't getting the result that I wanted. And I had a breakdown, you know, and um, it was very, it was a very ugly recovery. Um, I'll, it's in it's in my book that you referenced earlier, but I'll just kind of go ahead and spin in the fact that I did attempt to uh, take my life because I was that upset and I was that um, passionate about basketball that I didn't I never separated basketball from who I was as a person. And that's what ate away at me. And so I'll take it a year later. I finally got my chance to play pro. Um, I played for six years. I played five years in the States and I played overseas in Poland and great experiences. Won national championships, won regional championships, won MVPs, like great, great professional career. But it came on the backside of a hardship. And to be told no from, uh, from a perspective of always hearing yes, is hard but if I had to go back and replay just that one year post-college mentally like the mental TK now versus the mental TK um, I would tell myself you know what everything in life is not going to go your way so 
because this isn't going your way, envisioned it, what is the next plan for you? How can you still make an impact? How can you still keep yourself in a space to where when the opportunity presents itself, you're still ready for it? Because a no doesn't always mean no. It just may mean delayed. No doesn't always equal deny. So I wasn't able to see that that wasn't a no, like a hard no. It was just a you'll get it later. And so if we can teach ourselves how to view opportunities that way, yeah, you're going to go through a period of, you know, dang, like I'm really upset. I'm really hurt because this didn't go my way. You know, it's okay to be in your feelings. It's okay to kind of be down about something, but don't stay in that space. And that's where I messed up. I lived in that space for a year and it ate away at me. And that's what I would teach athletes now. That's what I would teach TK at 21 now is be in your feelings, be upset, be frustrated, but don't live there. Because when you live there, it takes over your mind. And when it takes over your mind, every there's nothing else that you or anyone can do until you stop allowing your mind to win in that negative space. Yeah. And, and you know, what you share was key because um, there's many athletes. You know, first point is, I could say when I was in college, I experienced that because a lot of times you can walk around and you you believe that you are what you do. So mm-hmm. I was a hooper. So I walk around as a hooper. I had my hooper swag, had my letterman yep. jacket. When I walk in the student union, I'm Lewis the hooper. I got swag. I'm hooper swag. You, you know what yep. I'm saying? And yep. I had to get up out of that because really that's a dangerous place to be in. Um, and so – I identify with what you're saying. And then the second thing with, you know, your attempt on your life or whatnot, you know, I want to, I want to, you know, transition into the book because I know you, you mentioned, you know, with that being in the book, I want you to talk about that a little bit because there are athletes that really need help. Um, not only transitioning within sports, having those no's, um, but even transition out of sports. I mean, if you have that identity of this is what I do and I am, I am this. I've even seen athletes trans have a hard time transitioning out of the sport into just the rest of their lives because now they can't play anymore. So there's a lot of different things going on, but I want you to, you know, have the floor to be able to talk a little bit about your book because you deal with some of those mental things there, you know, especially with your story. And, and I just wanted you to be able to, Talk about a few of those things that convey a few of the the key points and and what the overall purpose of this book is so that our listeners can kind of get a gist of it and and, and feel your heart from from this project. Right. No, I feel you on that. Um, First, I appreciate the platform to be able to express things in the book. Um, So I, I really appreciate that. The book is available on Amazon. It's called Breaking the Silence, Basketball's Hidden Secrets. Um, I wrote the book. Um, my dad actually, um, was the one who brought the idea to me to write a book and it goes through sort of my journey of everything was great. Like I had this in the big scheme of life, I had a really good childhood, you know, like I had, I was very lucky. I had both of my parents in my life. Both of my parents were very supportive of me and my brother. 
made good grades. I got the D1 scholarship. I was the top athlete. I was the first, second, and third option on most teams I played on. I had it, I had it really good. So to, to hear that and then see this dark side, it, it throws a lot of people because it's a light where it's like your life is so perfect on the outside. What do you have to be angry about? What do you have to be upset about? And it confused my parents a lot because they didn't get it either until we talked about it. But just like you said, coach, when you identify so closely with what you do and there's no separation, when that one thing that you do is gone, your life is essentially gone. And that's how I felt. I felt like I had no reason left to live because I wasn't playing basketball anymore. I had nothing left to offer to the world. It's how I saw it. That was it. That's why I was here. So when that went away, I didn't know how to handle it. I wasn't prepared for life after sport. And so it talks throughout the book about a lot of the, um, you, you, and then before I get into the next point, it's kind of like you think about you're not prepared for life after sport. And then you still have regular life going on. You graduate college. You have relationship issues. You have friendship issues. You maybe have emotional issues. You maybe um, have other things going on where maybe you barely pass. Like, I don't know. There's still life that's going on while you're mentally, while you're mentally, physically, emotionally having this breakdown of I am no longer a basketball player. I am no longer an athlete. What do I do with my life? compound that you get angry I got angry I was very angry and I was a very very mean person I'm not gonna sugarcoat it I was I'm not that person now this is almost 10 years ago but in that in that space I was and so I talk a lot about what those emotions look like how they came off how it felt what I was thinking I even have parts in there where I talk about how my family responded. My dad has a little section in the book talking about how he how he perceived the situation when he got the phone call saying I was in the hospital six, seven hours away from home or however far like I was. I wasn't even in Houston when it happened. I was somewhere else and they had to get to me. So it touches on a lot of things, but also in that story, in my in my um, in my testimony, there are things at the end of the chapter, questions, things to think about that will prompt you as an athlete, as a reader, as a parent, as a coach, anybody to think about these things as you're going through and your child is going through sports um, as they're growing up. And so it's just a couple of like, like a lot of leadership stuff, mindset stuff to get you thinking about when this is done. What do you have? Who's on your team? Who's helping build you to be the athlete that you want to be? Because you can't do anything alone. So it's a lot of that kind of stuff as well to show the perseverance. And I was diagnosed with severe depression. And I had to go on, you know, antidepressants and work through a lot of anger, a lot of anger. And so that's really what the book talks about is what that looks like inside the mind of an athlete. Yeah, that's, I mean, my goodness, you know, it, it's amazing, you know, 
the fact that you're on this side of it, being able to, to tell that, <clears throat> but also to be able to work on a project such as this, because there's so many athletes that need to hear from someone that can understand what they're going through. You know, sometimes you don't understand uh, what someone else is going through unless you've been through it yourself. Mm. And the fact that you've been there, you're able to put together a piece you know, such as your book that can actually help people. Um, that That's amazing all by itself. And like I say, I, I've been around athletes and I've been one and I, I know, you know, I didn't, I didn't quite get to experience, you know, to that place of experiencing things such as you did, but I, I had a taste of it because I, I knew how I felt in mm -hmm. certain junctures where mm -hmm. it was like, Ooh, like I got to let that go. Or that's gonna be bad, you know. Right. I am. I am not the game. You know. I play the game. You know. Um, right. And so, but with saying that, I have been around enough athletes that that a project such as this that that you have written, you know, telling what you've been through those dark areas, and then you know being able to share the testimony side of you coming out and now helping others, um, it's very much needed. Um, matter of fact, I just had a cousin that I was talking to um, in Ohio was saying how there was a lot of players dealing with that kind of stuff and they didn't know how to transition out of sports. And so mm -hmm. this is a great project. You know, I'm so excited, you know, that you have this out and, and I want as many people to get a hold of as possible. Um, so before we go and I appreciate you sharing all that you have and just opening up and being candid and transparent about certain things. Um, Share share with everyone where they can find it, um, how they can get it, where they can find it, and how they can connect with you, whether that's social media or your website, whatnot. Just uh, give us a, a brief rundown of the book, where they can get it, everything about yourself in terms of where they can contact you and get a hold of you as well. Absolutely. So the um, the book again is called um, "Breaking the Silence: Basketball's Hidden Secrets." It's available on Amazon. You can get the um, the Kindle version or you can get a physical paperback copy um, sent to you. Um, as far as getting in touch with me, social media or email are, is probably the best bet. Um, I'm on Twitter and my handle for Twitter is mindset underscore 180. And then Instagram, Facebook and TikTok my handle is Mindset 180 Academy. That is my actual academy. It's called Mindset 180 Academy, where I actually work with either high school teams, college teams, doesn't matter, athletes, teams, individuals on the mental side of sports, whether that's the mental side off the playing surface or the mental side playing when you're actually in the game or in practice working on the awareness the focus the intention the concentration language self-talk self-talk is huge in sports um having these mental cues that snap you out of like maybe you're going down this this spiral mentally and you need to snap out of it so you can get back right so you can play the best at your the at the best of your ability we work on cues, we work on trigger words to get you back into that positive space. And so we break it down to all kinds of levels, have different programs. And so the Mindset 180 Academy is the best way to get in touch with me um, through the social media handles or my email is Mindset 180 Academy 
at gmail.com and it goes straight to me. Um, I don't have any personal assistance or anything like that. So if you email me, if you reach out to me on social media, you will get me. Um, and yeah, I mean, we, I would love to connect with teams, coaches, athletes, all ages, both genders. It does not matter because the mental side of sports knows no gender. It knows no sport. It baseball, soccer, hockey, basketball, football. It does not matter the sport, volleyball, track and field. It does not matter the sport because you still have to have mental toughness and you have to have a certain mindset to be great and make it to the level of success that you're supposed to make it to. Wow. That that's, I mean, that, that, that you hit it on the head there. And so, you know, I just, I'm just so thankful that, um, you know, this project is released and I'm thankful for you doing what you're doing because, um, it, it's great to be able to have this, you know, if you're a team, you're a coach, um, no matter what sport, like you said, it, listen, there's a lot of sports and especially being an athlete, being a pro athlete, college athlete, all athletes go through different things, no mm -hmm. matter what sport. And so this, this, this book, um, even your academy and what you're doing, I think will be great tools for, for any coach, any sport, any team, um, to take advantage of. So, you know, I appreciate you sharing, you know, everything that you have today. Um, you know, everybody that's listening, make sure you go check her out. Um, check her out on, on social. Uh, check her book out. Um, you know, I think it will be a great tool for you guys. And, and so just very grateful and honored for you taking time just to hop on and, and talk about your life, you know, basketball journey, you know, what you're doing now and your project, you know, with your book. You know, um, I'm just grateful for you taking time to allow me to interview you tonight. Well, Coach, I appreciate you thinking of me and having me on the show. It's been fun. I've enjoyed it. I, I mean, it's my testimony story, and I love talking about it to anyone who will listen. Um, something that I've told myself, I don't remember exactly where I heard this quote, but it says, if I don't use um, my story to help someone else, then I failed. Because I don't need somebody, I don't want to see somebody else have to go through the same things that I did if I can work with them and steer them just enough. If I can turn someone three degrees, it changes the entire trajectory of their whole life. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't take a lot. It's one or two degrees and your trajectory wide open. So that's really what it's here for. Um, mental health is very important. It's something that I'm passionate about. Um, and then that leads right into the mindset. Victor mindset is what I, what I teach at my, um, in my academy. And, you know, we work through it all confidence, performance, anxiety. So it's definitely, um, a, a safe space first and foremost. And, um, I welcome, I welcome all teams, all, all sports. Let's have a conversation about it. Yes. So amazing. This is amazing stuff. And, and like I say, I'm so glad that you were on here to, to share this stuff. And please, please check out um, TK's book. Uh, make sure that you go follow her on social media. Um, and even as you're listening to this and the information for this podcast, you'll see her information, her website, ways to get in connection with her. So take advantage, check it out, consider having her um, and bring her in for your team, for your athletes. I think it will be very beneficial. Well, hey, guys, this has been an amazing, amazing episode. Some great content. 
Um, great person, great purpose in life. I so appreciate her. But thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode of Interview You. We'll see you on the next episode. Mm-hmm.